1: So I said, I want to open a store. They said, that's a terrible idea. And I thought, bingo, perfect, great.
0: If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show. Don't keep your day job. My name is Kathy Heller, and I'm a singer-songwriter. I make a living doing what I love, and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to help you do that and give you not only inspiration but some real life strategies. This is going to help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get fifty dollars off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com/dreamjob and enter promo code DreamJob. That's casper.com/dreamjob and enter promo code DreamJob. Also, thanks to Hubble for supporting Don't Keep your Day Job. What if I told you you can get a fresh pair of lenses for every single day for less? 60 contacts for $30. That's a dollar per day, half the price of other brands. Go to HubbleContacts.com and get your first two weeks free. That's HubbleContacts.com for your first two weeks free. Thanks to Brooklinen for supporting Don't Keep your Day Job. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code DREAMJOB at brooklinen.com. That's brooklinen and promo code DREAMJOB for $20 off and free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code dream job for $20 off. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of don't keep your day job. Okay. A few thoughts for the day. How much do you want this? Whatever this thing is that you're thinking about, whatever is the reason you tune into the show, you're here because there's something you hope I'm going to say because you know yourself, there's something you want to do, but how much do you want it? Because so often I'm meeting people and they're telling me that they just don't have this thing they want, whether it's a relationship or this job or this career that they just wish they could have, this fulfillment. How much do you want it? Because when you really get clear that you know you really want this, you have to be willing to put in that hustle. You have to be willing to put in that elbow grease and really getting clear, even that clarity, even in your thoughts about what it is you want to do. Um, and then just chipping away at that, you know, getting clear about when are you going to make the time for that? And even if you have a job, so how can you carve out some extra time? Because when you really want it, of course you're going to stay up later and you're going to wake up early because you're going to know there's such an incredible reason for me to put in this extra time and for me to push myself. Because when I push, One day I'm going to have that thing and I'm going to be there and I'm going to say, oh, that was so worth it. Okay, so how much do you want it? Number two, stop thinking so much about what other people are going to think. Nobody, nobody is the foremost expert on anything when they begin anything. So why can't you also do this thing? Why can't you try it? Okay, so yeah, there's four other bakeries. There's four other coffee shops. So what? It doesn't matter. What matters isn't anyone else. Just think about yourself for one minute in this life You have to have tunnel vision a little bit, okay? And if somebody's hating on you or you feel like there's negativity or whatever, just use it to fuel yourself. Use it to make you stronger. In my life, when people had said to me, and I had so many experiences like this, I was not the kid growing up where anybody said, oh, she's the one who, you know, we know we're going to bet on her. She's going to have a million things going on for her. I was not that kid. So I've had tons of experience where people are saying, you know, I'm not good enough or I'll not make it or this is what's wrong or that's what's wrong. So I do a couple things with that. Number one, I I give myself a long, hard, real look in the mirror and say, is there any truth to that? And if so, then instead of being, you know, just blind to it and arrogant, I'm going to actually look at it and see if I can grow. That's number one. And actually Really use it and grow. The second thing is, it just fuels me because anyone who tells me I can't do something, I'm like, please, please tell me that. Just bring it on because anyone who's going to tell me I can't do it, it's just going to make me work so much harder. So the resistance I've been met with in my life, and the fact that I didn't have, you know, the silver spoon handed to me, and I didn't have parents who were married, and any of the stress that I went through as a kid, um, and having to, you know, support myself since I'm 15 that stuff is amazing. That stuff just fuels me and it grows my self-esteem and makes me want to just work harder and, and prove to myself that I don't need handouts and I don't need a certain kind of story to be who it is I want to be and to grow. So I want you to think about that and I also want you to see yourself. The third thing is I want you to see yourself because you have to be your biggest fan. Have you ever met somebody or maybe you know people in your life like this who are just like they're doing something that's below them either they're in a job where you're like oh you're so much more qualified you're so much more talented than this or they're in a relationship where they're not being treated well and you just think that there's so much better for them out there it doesn't matter what you're seeing they have to see it right so I know in my own life there have been moments where I I couldn't see more for myself I couldn't see more for myself than a certain job or a certain relationship or whatever it was and then you have these moments where you get that clarity and you realize inside yourself that you really are pretty awesome. And you're bigger and stronger and braver and more sparkly and capable and whatever it is than whatever this is. So we have to consciously decide to really take a hard look at ourselves and our life. And a lot of times people just want to be like, they just want to swim with the salmon. They don't want to stop and really look at what's happening and say, Am I who I want to be today? Is this job where I want to be? Is this relationship where I want to be? Because that's scary stuff. That means I actually have to look at myself and maybe I have to make a new choice. Often, if we really start to see ourselves, we can make our lives more delicious, more fabulous. Even if we decide to stay in our current profession, maybe we just kind of go full out and maybe we just make it even better and more fulfilling or we find new ways to add value to wherever it is that we're working. And in our relationship, same thing. Maybe it's not the best that it can be. Maybe it means that we take a good hard look at ourselves and we decide, I'm gonna become a better version of myself, so I'm gonna add more to the table, and I'm gonna stop looking to this person to fill me up, and I'm actually gonna bring more so I can fill this person up, and next thing I know, it's like a boomerang. Now this person is bringing it back to me, and now we're more fulfilled in our relationship, and I'm more fulfilled in my life. So we have to start being willing to have these scary conversations with ourselves, look at ourselves in the mirror, look at our lives, put them under a microscope, and say, I'm here right now. That's precious stuff. Nothing's been promised. We don't know how much time we have. So I want to take a good look at this and I want to make my life the most fulfilling as possible because what is really the goal? Is the goal to just kind of be comfortable or is the goal to hustle and have no matter what it takes, the most scrumptious, amazing, fulfilling life where you really leave a legacy that everyone around you is touched by you, everyone gets to have a taste of what it is that you were put here to do, that to me is is true success. It's not about the money. The money is a byproduct, but the best part is that your legacy is that everyone who gets to touch and a part of what it is that you're doing in this world gets to say, oh yeah, I knew her, I knew him. What he had to bring to this world, that potential, that potential was fulfilled and that potential continues to be fulfilled and it's a light to everybody else and I got to taste whatever it is that is. So think about that. So thanks to Casper Supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm so delighted that Casper is what it is because we've just been through so many different mattresses um, and I love that Casper's mattress is obsessively engineered and it's a fair price. I love that it's made to support a memory foam and it helps you really actually have a good night's sleep because I, I sleep very few hours so it's really important that when I sleep I get a good night's sleep and it is really hard to find a good mattress. You can buy it easily online and it's completely risk-free. Also, Casper's mattresses are made in the USA and free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Save an additional $50 towards a mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash dreamjob and entering the promo code dreamjob. That's casper.com slash dreamjob and promo code dreamjob. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is also brought to you by Hubble. With Hubble, you can get a fresh pair of lenses for every single day for less. 60 contacts for $30. Do the math. That's a dollar a day. This is half the price of other brands. Check it out at HubbleContacts.com and get your first two weeks free. That's 15 pairs of lenses for free. You really can't beat this deal. It's easy on the eyes and the wallet. Contacts are usually very expensive because of four companies who control 90% of the market until now. Featured in Vogue, GQ, TechCrunch, and Mashable. With Hubble, there's no more overpaying or overwearing. Quality daily lenses for half the price of the other guys because Hubble sells directly to you. So my husband started using them. He said everything's great, and he was surprised because he thought, you know, this is going to be less money. Maybe it's going to be less quality. It's not true. Everything's fantastic. I want you guys to try it. Hubble is also great because they can send to your optometrist if you don't have a prescription today. Getting contacts has never been more convenient and affordable. So go to HubbleContacts.com and get 2020 vision for half the price. That's hubblecontacts.com for your first two weeks free. H-U-B-B-L-E contacts.com. Thanks to Brooklyn for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. They just sent me the most awesome bedding. I got to pick everything out at brooklinen.com and I love these sheets. I got the navy dot and I love that it's so awesome. It's so interesting. It's so stylish. I love that they can interchange so that you have one design for your pillowcase, one design for the sheets, one design for the duvet cover. Awesome stuff. You spend a third of your life in your sheets. Are they taking care of you the way they should be? With brooklinen.com, you can get the high quality sheets and bedding you deserve at a price that won't keep you up at night. Brooklyn and cuts out unnecessary markups and manufacturing waste in order to offer exquisite designs and exceptional savings across their collection. Best of all, brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for you. Get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code DREAMJOB at brooklinen.com. In fact, brooklinen is so confident they can love their new sheets that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all their sheets and comforters. There's no reason not to give these sheets a try. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use Promo code DREAMJOB at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code DREAMJOB, Brooklinen. These are the best sheets ever. You're going to love these guys, remember the best way for you to support our podcast is two things. Number one, support our sponsors. When you guys support our sponsors, they continue to support our show, which allows us to keep making the show. We have a team of people. It allows us to keep everybody going. It's awesome. Please use these promo codes and support our sponsors. Number two, share the show. Tell people about it. Post about it. Tweet, Instagram, Facebook. That stuff is amazing and we can feel it. We can track. We get to see how many people are listening to the episodes every single week. So when you guys make a push and you start to tell people about it, we can see those numbers surge and we can see subscribers um, and we can see people listening and downloading. By the way, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe. Um but we love you guys and definitely check out these sponsors. We choose the sponsors. People come to us. We have lots of options, but then we choose the ones that we feel are going to bring you guys the most value. Brooklyn and Sheets are awesome. Hubble contacts are great. Casper mattress, awesome. Check it out. Okay, on our show today we have the awesome. He's amazing. He's a designer. Everybody knows him. If you don't know him, you're going to know him, but I'm sure you already do. Um, His name is Jonathan Adler. So delighted that he has agreed to be on the show. His work is stunning. It's sophisticated. It's glamorous. It's beautiful. It makes me feel good just to look at it, to be around it. Um, My friend Hallie bought me a gift of his uh, work when I got married, and my husband and I went through the shop and we're like, wow, this stuff is pretty amazing. So so glad that he's here. Um, Let's dive into that. So take us back. When did this love of being creative, when did this start? I mean, my
1: whole journey is um, really (laughs) unexpected and odd and authentic. (laughs) Um, I went to summer camp when I was 12 and, you know, just normal camp, saw a super cute pottery teacher um, (laughs) and I – truth – and I signed up for his class and immediately fell madly and passionately in love with Clay. So wow. i it, it's just so strange because I'm like, I'm never one of those people who says like everything happens for a reason. In fact, I okay. think nothing happens for a reason, actually. <laughs> but something felt fated about me and Clay. And I was obsessed with it. I uh, came home from summer camp and my parents were like, what happened like, it was almost like I'd been, you know, gone to summer camp, came back a cult member um, <laughs> and begged my parents for a wheel and kiln, which yeah. um, they got me, oddly. Wow. In, they're very creative people. My dad was a lawyer, but he spent all of his time um, making art. So he had a studio in our basement and my mom is sort of an innately creative person. So they were like, all right, fine, whatevs. Um, I got a wheel and kiln. <laughs> And I – it it feels very odd to me now that I'm a grown-up to remember those years because I don't have particular stick to um, but mm. I, I felt very passionate about clay and just sort of spent all my time in the basement making pots. Wow. Um, I know, what did you it's love really about
0: weird. it? Did you love how freeing it was? Did you love just getting your hands dirty? What did you love about
1: it? I mean, there's something – primordial and primal about one's attachment to clay it's basically just mud people there's something mm-hmm. about pottery like you i say i'm a potter and all of a sudden i people talk my ear off about how they took a class and blah blah, blah. so oh, there's something there's something about it that must be innate not um there's something about it but yeah. also i think there's something very it has like an intermittent reinforcement quality it's probably like golf in that way you can make a really good pot and then not, and then kind of screw up the next one and you can yeah. improve, you know? So it's yeah. like, it's challenging. Um, so that was very yeah. satisfying. Like when one first starts, it's about literally sitting down at the wheel and trying to throw cylinders and you just have to see how tall you can get it. And so wow. it's, you know, yeah, I get that. it's like that. Anyway, what else? So, so so, what,
0: what else? <laughs> um, so what happens next?
1: Next, I go to college like a normal person. I spend, I spend most of my teenage years, when I'm not in school, I'm like down in the basement making bongs, making whatever, making pots. Go to Brown for college and I study art history and semiotics at Brown. But luckily, the Rhode Island School of Design is um, next door to Brown and there is a, um, an affiliation so I can take classes at um, this fantastic art school. And I do. When you were in school, did you in your wildest
0: dreams think in that moment, you know, one day I'm going to have 30 stores and going to be a household name. And that's my, that's my aspiration. Or did you in no way think that that was ever happening?
1: That was so not happening. Okay. Um, (laughs) Never crossed my mind. Like, no, no, it didn't cross my mind. In fact, when I graduated from college, the Brown Daily Herald, the school did a, uh, did an article about graduating seniors in which they profiled two seniors, one of whom knew exactly what he was going to do. Yeah. And he was like going to wall street. And then they profiled moi as the clueless graduate. Oh my God. Um, wow. And oh my I said, I know. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do tomorrow. Maybe I'll just move to Santa Fe and make baskets. I have no idea. So I was really, um I was at a loss and I wow. thought, all right, wow. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I'm going to go, Asked my teachers at RISD if I can just spend a year there um, continuing to pursue pottery and avoid the real world, but in sort okay. of a non, non-official capacity. Right. And I uh, I did that. And then after a year, I went to my teacher and I said, you know, this is great. I think I want to get an MFA. And she said, sorry, dude, no space for you. You don't have any talent. This isn't your That's calling. literally
0: what she said? You don't have talent?
1: Totally. Oh my god. I know. And I, this is not your call. Hilarious. No. Wow.
0: Um,
1: I feel so awful because that poor teacher, I've like made a career of telling people that same story. <laughs> right. um, and now I, I just feel so bad. I feel like I've dragged her name through the mud. Um, and her name, by the way, is Jackie Rice. You're like, um, and I
0: will say it again. <laughs> yes,
1: I'll drag her through the mud, but I don't, I have no animosity. It's of like, course. it's an anecdote. I'm very much opposed to anyone right. seeing themselves as a victim of anything. I'm like, get ask on with her that. to
0: predict the weather or the stock market. She doesn't right. have that gene.
1: Right. Yeah. What else? Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> did you take that to heart, though? Were you like, oh, this is going to decide whether or not I get the MFA? Yes,
1: actually, I did. Yeah. And I thought, all right, yeah. you know, she's probably right. And moved <laughs> to New York, managed to get a job working as an assistant at a talent agency. Um, by the way, the way I got I actually started out in the mailroom and the way I got that job was in my skills section, of my resume, because I'd never worked, I wrote one of my skills was faxing. So I <laughs> oh got God, I know God. I got to the interview and the dude was like, You know how to fax? And I'm like, Yeah, it's like you kinda gotta know how to like roll the paper in. You gotta get on the right side. I got this. So, faxing. Do you have a stand up routine? Do you moonlight
0: as a stand up? That <laughs> no, is the just,
1: cutest story I've ever heard. Isn't that ridiculous? Like, I'm literally so,
0: sitting here laughing, but you can't see it. But I hope you No.
1: You're- <laughs> so, I get the job because I can fax. Of and that's yeah, pretty standard. Yup. And, you know, at the time, I'll, I'll admit, I was young and cute. and you're miss, still cute. Oh, Very thank cute. you. But I. Note that I'm not young anymore. Sad. Anyway, whatever. I was, um, so I was working in the mailroom, and an agent at the agency saw me and thought, oh, he's cute, and hired me as his assistant. Cut to, um, I ended up being a terrible assistant, and also um, we started dating, and oh, no. then I started dating other people in the office, and I, I got oh,
0: no.
1: totally fired.
0: Um, yeah, I could see that.
1: Rightly so. Um, <laughs> and all my friends said, like, should, you know, you're a victim. Shouldn't you sue him? And I was like, I was cheating on him with other people in the office. I am not a victim. Anyway. <laughs> right. Unemployed. Then I got another job working for a different agent. And I started a relationship with him as well. So the agency actually fired both of us. Oh. Okay. I know. And then... Um, <laughs> I got one more job, my very last job, working uh, as an assistant to a movie producer. And I lasted about three months before she fired me for just general incompetence.
0: Oh my God. It's um, fascinating that you went through like all of these series of disasters and you've become one of the most successful people.
1: More than anything, I think I was just like in my. 20s, inexperienced, and I was just freaked out about how to navigate the world. I was having, I yeah. guess, a typical 20 something right. experience. Yeah, you course. know, I had always been super successful in school yeah. and found myself in the real world unable to navigate it.
0: Okay. Um, so, what happens so, after the woman fired you?
1: All right. So, I'm fired. <laughs> um, I think, all right, I'm going to like take a couple months off just to kind of breathe and. My dad was very kind and was like, all right. And then I thought, you know, I, I was moving into a new apartment. Actually, I forgot. I was moving into a new apartment, and I thought, I really don't have any pots. And I keep, you know, when people say to me, what do you really want to do? And I say, oh, I want to be a potter. And then they're like, show me your work. And I said, well, I don't really have any of it here.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: So moved into an apartment, found this studio in Hell's Kitchen called Mud, Sweat, and Tears. Mm. And I... Said to them, look, I don't have any money, but um, if I teach night classes, can I use the studio during the day?
0: Smart. Resourceful. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, And all the while, I was still like sending out applications, faxing them even, yeah. um, due to my <laughs> skill. And, yeah, and I was going on job interviews. But in the meantime, I was like, nobody would hire me. And I was teaching night classes and making pots. And this kind of limped along for about six months and at this point I was 27 Mm -hmm. and my parents were like W T F like (laughs) we are paying all your bills. You Mm -hmm. went to like a fancy college.
0: It's pretty Um, fancy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Fancy college. You're like teaching night classes in hell's kitchen. And I said, all right. And I, I was very insular, you know, so I was really just making the stuff that I wanted to make and I had no real connections in the design world. Um, and it's, it's funny, I was always a bit of an insider and an outsider at the same time. You know, I think, I'm just keeping it 100% real here. Like I was, you know, sort of a, you know, I was cute, young, gay, and, you know, was out and about in the town, but I had no connections in the design world and no real understanding of anything.
0: Right. Um,
1: so I felt like an insider and an outsider. Um, yeah. And through a friend, I contacted a buyer at Barney's. Um, And I just said, Hey, I, I was very naive. And I just said, you know, I make these pots. um, I'd love to show them to you. And they came to my apartment.
0: And
1: I know I'll never forget that meeting, actually, because I, yeah, I was making these pots. And I had set up my apartment in a very cute fashion. And they came, they walked up to my fourth floor walk up. Conveniently, my my apartment was around the corner from Barney's. So now.
0: And then you're like, why don't you just come over to my fourth floor walk-up? I mean, that takes it takes a lot of confidence. Um,
1: or naivete, or idiocy yeah, or whatever.
0: Naivete. Okay, fine.
1: Or des- so oh, you know, maybe also just panic and desperation. I think okay. actually those are probably the best words for what I was feeling because I felt okay. like such a loser at 27. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, over they came and they liked what I was making. And they said... This is really great. Um, we will give you an order, but, and this is, I'm going to get very um, inside baseball with you here. They said, okay, good, good. but the, uh, the glaze on these pots is a crackle glaze, and we love the way they look, but you need to have a clear glaze with no crackle. <laughs> okay. It's, again, very inside baseball, and okay. uh, Mud, Sweat, and Tears happened not to offer that particular glaze Um, And I couldn't mix my own glazes there. So I saw an opportunity and I went and sort of pounded the pavements. This was pre-internet and found a pottery cooperative studio in Soho where for $250 a month, I could rent like a 10 by 10 space and um, I could actually work. I could make the same pots, but with a clear non-crackle glaze Again, inside baseball, but I think germane to the topic of how this all happened, because it was about, you know, like sort of solving a problem. Yeah, you had to be resourceful. You
0: know, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh.
1: And it, was, it took a lot of um, effort to figure that out, but I did. And I started making these pots. And I think that um, I just thought to myself at the time, I am going to make this work. Like, yeah. no matter what, I'm yep. going to make this work. Because nothing else has, and this is my chance. Yeah, and I did.
0: How different was was what you were making then from what you are making currently? Oh. Like, what your brand looks like, or was it pretty similar? Um,
1: I, my brand. Um, I think that it was. Again, I'm going to get quite inside baseball, but um, the I would say that the cons- like the sort of aesthetic concerns I was grappling with, or the aesthetic. DNA was always there. I was always a kind of clean, modern design potter who Mm -hmm. always was very obsessed with um, impeccable proportions. And it's just kind of the same, the very same demons or muses with whom I grapple have been there um, from day one. And I've just sort of taken those, those muses or demons um, and grappled with them over the years in different media, but always with the same basic issues.
0: <laughs> and together you've made magic.
1: Yeah. with Half started. demon, half muse have been, yeah. they both kind of egged me on.
0: Okay. So then what happens next? So this one store buys an order or do they buy the order for a couple of stores? How does this grow?
1: What a couple, well, a couple things happened. One, at around the same time, I bumped into a friend of mine, this brilliant designer called Bill Sofield, who I hadn't seen in about a year, and we were shopping in Belducci's. and he said, what are you up to? And I said, oh, I'm making pottery. He had just opened an incredibly chic design store in Soho called Arrow, mm-hmm. and cool. he was like, I didn't know you make pots. And I said, yeah, and he came and checked them out, um, and he said, wow, these are great. I'm going to give you a show. So all of a sudden I had my pots at Barney's and a show at Arrow, and suddenly I went from being a complete outsider loser to having uh, some access to something. I was still very much an outsider in terms of business and navigating the world of fashion design. I was really very much homegrown. Um, mm-hmm. So much so that I didn't even know what an invoice was, and I sort of um, oh didn't even submit an invoice to Barney's because I didn't know that's what one had oh, to do. Yeah, right. Um, right. I was like, looking back, it's just I can't believe it. Anyway, I think I was just very, very. I've had a very strange combination of tremendous luck and some intuitive knowledge of how to take advantage of the luck that has come my way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you do this and then what happens?
1: All right. So I'm at Barney's. I'm at Arrow. I am completely still very much panicked and very much broke. And I thought to myself, all right, I have these opportunities. I'm going to make them work. And the main resource I have is myself. Luckily, yeah. clay is cheap. Um, studio space at the time was very cheap it was like 250 bucks a month so Mm -hmm. the the barrier to entry in terms of money was very low and I thought okay if I just throw myself into this not valuing my time at all which is fine, whatever I need to exploit myself Um, and I became a complete lunatic animal and something switched in my brain from being the unemployed unemployable loser to becoming a complete animal a machine i would i lived ate and breathed clay i would wake up in the morning i would get to my studio by seven no later i would time myself um, and i would say all right i have to make 100 mugs i'm going to get these made by noon then wow. I will give myself like a half hour break for lunch, and then I will come back and attach the handles to the mugs. Like it was very, I suddenly became like a little drill sergeant yeah. for myself. Uh, so it was just, you know, I was my own victim. And I just did that unthinkingly for about three years of just unthinking animalism.
0: And what happened? What was the result of that? What was happening as a byproduct?
1: I had built up a little cottage industry. Nice. Yeah. At the, I guess I met this um, fantastic woman who had a showroom, and mm-hmm. she wanted to put my pots in her showroom. So luckily her showroom was in Soho. Arrow was in Soho. Everything felt small, like a small town at that time. And through her, I got a few orders for other very trendy shops, Um and was starting to make really cool stuff, and I was exhausted, but yeah. but very focused. I but anyway, whatever. I built a small cottage industry. I even had a couple of helpers who would help me paint pots mm-hmm. and um, glaze them and that kind of thing. Awesome. Um, but I yeah. was I don't have many skills, but I'm I happen to be a very good thrower. Like I can throw I can throw pottery on a wheel very well. So mm-hmm. I had to make every single thing myself. And my husband was like, you will lose your mind. You will never grow your business and you will burn out if you keep making everything yourself. And I would always say to him, no, there's no one else who can do it like me. I'm the only one, blah, blah, blah. Right,
0: right.
1: And he was very understanding. And about like four months in, he's like, we got to go on vacation. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? I can't go on vacation. (laughs) And he convinced me to go for like um, a little four day weekend. And it was a revelation that one could do that. Um, yeah. So he said, you've got to find somebody to make your stuff or, or you will just stop. So I made a, I I tried, I made a few aborted attempts at the time. It was pre-internet just via sort of networking. I looked in the phone book. I tried to find a pottery studio and there was, there was nothing. And then quite by accident, um, I stumbled upon an organization called Aid to Artisans, which is a nonprofit that connects artisans in developing countries with American designers. Oh,
0: that's beautiful. Um,
1: and I mean, I guess it's beautiful. I, you know, it just seemed like an opportunity. And so right. they suggested I go to, I wasn't, believe me, I wasn't out trying to save the world. I just thought, right, right, great. Right. Um, they said they had a great workshop in Peru that I should visit. And so I jumped on a plane went to Peru, and it just happened to work. Um, I happened to find this great studio run by a fantastic couple who I adore and became almost like family to me. Oh, Um, that's awesome. Yeah, it was really great. Um, And I saw an opportunity and thought this could be the answer and spent, like, a couple months there setting up oh, wow. this relationship and then yeah it so that happened and suddenly do you still i went with them i do yeah
0: that's amazing
1: i know it's cool wow. it's really it, it's like my story is pretty cool and is, if i really. did not know me i would think i was fantastic um <laughs> but i know the truth but just oh. sort of the the uh the thing that's really cool, and I think it's germane to our planet and our political situation. I don't know if it's um, I don't know what the lesson is, but I happen to be a, a lucky person for whom globalization has actually been a very um, sort of win-win situation. It's yeah, it
0: sounds being like being able it. to be
1: like to embrace the sort of global networks available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've managed to build a business, create lots of jobs outside of America, but also, wow. on a positive note, um, create several hundred jobs in America, which is wow. I'm very thrilled about. I come, by the way, from a, a small town, a small farm town that is not thriving um, in the current world. So I, I'm not exactly part of the um, bubbled elite. I kind of see it all from both sides. So, yeah. you know, mine has been a very positive globalization story, but yeah, you know, that's lovely. as I said, my hometown, not so much. So Whatever. what else
0: happens when you go to Peru? Because I read your bio and it was talking about how something else happened there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I just suddenly spent some time and I, I had time not making everything. I had people making stuff for me. So I right. had time to dream a little bit. And um, oh, I nice. thought, all right, well, so I'm making these cool pots, but Maybe the same design ethos can translate into different media, and that could be an opportunity to grow my business as well. Because I, there's sort of a business paradigm in the pottery world that people typically zero in on a style, make their pots, keep right. selling them, don't really change too much. And then there's really a life cycle to that kind of a business because fashion changes. Um, And I had seen that happen to many potters. And I thought to myself, as an unemployable person, I cannot have that happen to me. So I need to – I sort of looked to the fashion world that always inspired me and thought, all right, fashion designers have figured out a way to constantly reinvent themselves Create a signature style, but um, expand their offerings tremendously. So I, I always turn to the fashion business model rather than the typical craft person model. Um, mm-hmm. So while I was in Peru, I thought to myself, "All right, um, there's great weavers here. Maybe my my design style can translate into other media." And so yeah, sense. I, yeah. You know, so I kind of just found some weavers, made some pillows, um, and that happened. And it was, again, kismet. Um, and then I happened to get a big order from Pottery Barn because they were yeah. working with aid to Artisans. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. suddenly I went from, you know, this like eking out of living to suddenly having, I can't remember the exact number, but I, I want to say it was like a $70,000 order, which was at the time tremendous yeah. order. Um, yeah. And I thought, all right, I'm going to take this this money and I'm going to open a store. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, and very much against my parents' wishes. My parents were very risk-averse. And as much as I love my parents, because they're fantastic, I thought they're also a cautionary tale about risk. And, you know, I always vowed to embrace risk more than they did. Mm -hmm. So I said, I want to open a store. They said, that's a terrible idea. And I thought, bingo, perfect, great. Um, (laughs) Took the shekels from Pottery Barn and opened a store. Um, And that was, I'd say, another really significant moment for me in my career because opening a store, suddenly I I went from just being like a dude who made stuff to being a place, an actual thing. It somehow made my, yeah, it made my, yeah, it made me more of a tangible thing.
0: Yeah. So how Um, did that first year go with the store?
1: It went fantastic. It was during a time when retail rents were not prohibitive. And Mm -hmm. I would make pots, and then I would work in the store, um, and I was doing it all. And I kept my expenses very, very low, and suddenly started to make some decent money. Um, And then I took that and opened another store. I I must have been sprinkled with some magic fairy dust um, (laughs) to get this far, but it's been really challenging, and I don't think it's like particularly – um replicatable and nor is it a cakewalk even for me
0: yeah that makes sense but you also did you definitely did describe that there were years where you weren't making much money and it took a while to build it um it wasn't like it happened overnight
1: no no overnight pop um yeah and yeah there was a lot of lean years (laughs) <laughs> Speaking of which, by the way, also making being a potter is super physical, so I was quite lean. It was fantastic. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, so yeah, it was like you can see that.
1: a gym substitute.
0: <laughs> so, at this point now, you have thirty stores, or are there more?
1: A Twenty, it's more like twenty-eight, I think. But what else? Twenty-eight
0: stores, okay. And you've also designed hotels and restaurants, correct? Yep. Yep, and is it. Someone just said to me, what are they talking about? Someone just said to me, oh, I got the Fisher-Price Jonathan Adler. They got something for their kid. It was like a Jonathan Adler uh, play thing. Are you making that stuff?
1: I am. Yeah, I I am working with Fisher-Price, doing a special line oh, of products for them. And I was like, are they research. saying
0: it's like a Fisher-Price? I was like, what do they mean?
1: No, okay, no, no. So I'm working trying... with Fisher-Price.
0: So that's amazing. So you're making yeah. Fisher-Price stuff sexy and awesome. That's so cool. I'm trying.
1: Yeah, it's great. They're a fantastic company. I love them. It's been a delight. And I've had, like, like, I've just been super lucky and have had the opportunity to collaborate with lots of super talented people.
0: So what does it feel like? Do you feel really fulfilled?
1: Um, Not at all. I'm just same demons and muses. Um, Same demons and muses. I just, I really like to make stuff. It's, you know, a constant my life's incredible. I get to make lots of cool stuff, but you know, I also have tons of responsibility and squintillions of employees and a lot of overhead. And, you know, it's a, whatever you do, there's something, there's a next thing that you want to do. So it doesn't, nothing stops. You know, it's funny, my grandmother, when she was, I remember talking to her when she was about 90 and she said, "You know what? I thought when I was old, when I was going to get old, I thought I would just be like Whistler's mother, just sitting there in a rocker with a throw <laughs> over my, the throw over my lap, and just kind of you know serene yeah. and taking it all in." And she said, "But you know what? The Michigas never stops. Wow. Um, and so true. The Michigas never stops. But um, you know, it's a it. <laughs> the Michigas continues. But I'm an extraordinarily lucky dude." I love what I do. I That's want to just keep doing gift. it forever.
0: So when you said there's always something next, I can't even imagine what that would be because you've already conquered the world. Uh-huh. What would what would that look like? What else is it, or is it just like maybe other stuff, like having more time for your personal life? What's um, the next thing?
1: I no, I have been like that whole work life balance. I have that all in check. I have a great life now. I don't work like I used to at all. For me, I'm obsessed 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 with making stuff. So the business part is purely a means to an end. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course, I think about that because I'm a responsible person, but it's not the substance of my life in my professional life. The substance of my professional life is the creative side of it. The rest is purely a means to an end. Yeah, so it's the exact same. So there's nothing different from how it's always been, just, you know, more more opportunity and um, I want to just keep making stuff. That's what brings me pleasure.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
1: We're just constantly designing constantly. and making stuff. The only, yeah, the only challenge is sort of finding the space. It's a, you know, it's yeah, like that a makes sense. fitting together piece of a puzzle when one has inventory and operations and yeah. my, <laughs> my business is super complex.
0: It's Well, it's massive. I mean, it's as big as well, it could
1: be. Uh,
0: <laughs> Don't say that. It could be bigger.
1: It (laughs) It can always be bigger. It could always be bigger.
0: It's just such this most endearing story because it is so authentic, and nobody, you know, gave you a handout, and you literally, you took every single step on your own, and it's become what it is, and you're a household name, and people, they don't just like your stuff. Anyone who knows your work loves it. It's oh, like this sweet. visceral response. Well, you walk through the store and you just feel good. You just feel good just looking at it, touching it, breathing it in. It's just it um there's so much life in it. There's so much oh, love in it. It's like well, a it's like a sophisticated party that you get to be uh, invited to, you know? That
1: is so <laughs> sweet. That's like that is a fantastic compliment. I love that idea of it being a sophisticated well, you're just, party.
0: It's what it feels like. It's like oh, I get to sit at this table, you know, like yeah. for a little bit, and it mm-hmm. feels also play. It feels like playful as opposed to feeling like um, pretentious, you know. Oh, it feels awesome. like it's it's just delightful.
1: Well, anybody who who comes into my store and takes the time to buy my stuff, like those are my people. I love them, and it means And they
0: love you. Well, they they it adore means you.
1: everything to me. If somebody actually like. If somebody spends their hard earned money on my stuff, I am extraordinarily appreciative and I want to make it fun for all of them.
0: Who you are has transcended the work. So it's not just people buying the work. It's like they get to share a piece of you. It's like They get to have you over for dinner because you've been such a, you're so honest and real and anything you've ever done is just such a reflection of who you are and it's just it's a lovely thing. Not everybody who has a brand is a, or any kind of work is that accessible. And you just are, I mean, listen to you. You're like so down to earth.
1: And- uh, whatever. I mean, I'm, you know, I am from a farm town in New Jersey. All right. So my dad, as I mentioned, was a lawyer, but he spent all of his time making art. And when he was young, he really sort of faced a choice. Was he going to be an artiste or was he going to be a lawyer? And he chose to be a lawyer, but his passion was art. And There was a sort of purity to the way he approached his passion. Um, He didn't try to monetize it. And so Mm -hmm. he was perpetually engaged in it in a um, really creative, unhindered way. Mm -hmm. And I have taken the exact opposite approach, you know, like made a business of it. And I think I will never know who did the right thing. We both did the right thing, but I think his route is far more attainable. You know, where you actually like have a job but pursue your passion, and probably, probably more delightful. He seemed pretty. Um, he's dead now, unfortunately, but he seemed pretty happy and pretty um, into it. So,
0: what was his art? What was he making? He was
1: making everything: painting, sculpting, printmaking, drawing. Extraordinarily talented, and I guess my advice is probably to follow my dad's route.
0: Okay, so where can people find you?
1: (laughs) Um, Hopefully they can find me.
0: Yeah,
1: but most importantly on my paddleboard in the Peconic Bay outside of my house on Shelter Island is where I Uh, most especially like to be. Um, Other than that, they can find me at Jonathan Adler or any of my stores um, and follow me on... Instagram at Jonathan Adler and that's where they can all find me.
0: That's awesome. So fun. What's your plans for the summer? Anything Uh, extraordinary?
1: Shelter Island, have a boarding. I am obsessed with summer. It's my happiest time on earth and I never want it to end.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, Thank you for taking all of this time out of your very, very, very busy, delicious day.
1: Um, I loved talking about myself and it was a an absolute delight chatting with you about me. Yeah. All right, thank you so much, it was a delight.
0: All right, that was awesome. Such a fun treat to get to talk to Jonathan. So here are some of my takeaways. Number one, your main resource is yourself. I love that. Number two, in times of naivety, desperation and panic we end up doing things that we would never have the courage to do otherwise. Number three, collaborating with people outside of your own world is a win-win situation. Number four, don't be scared to branch outside of your style and your medium. It creates more opportunities. Number five, believe it or not, sometimes it's better to not listen to your parents. Number six, you might make your passion your career or let it stay as your side hobby. Neither way is right or wrong. Just do what works for you. Hey, heads up, guys. Starting next week, we're following a new schedule. We're going to have new episodes up on Mondays instead of Tuesdays. so You can kick off your week with a dose of inspiration to get you going. Thank you guys for spending your time listening to this podcast. I'm fully aware that you have a million things that you could be doing and you have a million types of media that you could be absorbing. Thank you for spending the time with our show. It means the world to me. I would be stoked if you would right now, if you like this episode, post it on Instagram, post about it on Facebook, tweet about it, tell your friends about it, share it, share it, share it, get it out there. We want other people to be woken up to doing what it is that they're here to do in this world. And I hope that through my guests that I have on and through what it is that I'm saying that these words start to click and light that fire inside of you. So please do share it. Follow me on Instagram at Kathy.Heller, Kathy with a C me on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to be doing some contests. I'm going to be posting on Twitter about um, how you can win a one-on-one with me. If you're in LA, we'll meet up for coffee. If you're not in LA, we can meet up um, over Zoom or Skype. And when I'm in New York, if you're in New York, we can meet up that way. I love you guys. Uh, I will be speaking at Podcast Movement in August. If you guys are interested in becoming a podcaster, if that's something that's interesting, uh, you can come find me there on August 23rd. Thank you. Keep doing it. Know that the hustle is worth it. Know that the hustle does work and start to take a good look at yourself because you have so much inside of you and you have a life that is so delicious that's waiting for you on the other side of asking yourself those questions and putting in some of that hustle. I'll talk to you next week. I want to give a shout out to the amazing team who makes this show possible. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street and producer, Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.